see everybody today. Once you've given someone a smile and an encouraging hug or high five, you may be seated. Good to see you today. Amen. I need Jesus. Can we give that just a little bit more thought? I need Jesus. A little bit more attention. I need him. He loves us so much that he works with all our issues. Matter of fact, all those issues are tools in his hand that kind of draws us in to know we need him and we get to have fellowship with him and a relationship with him that can't happen any other way. Anybody got issues in your life? (laughs) Biggest issue I have in my life is the guy in the mirror. And I'm not beating up on the body that belongs to God. I'm just talking about the religious mass that that guy in the mirror can carry because of influences in the past, connections, relationships. Not that anybody was bad, it's just that we carry ideas, thoughts, and um, opinions and preferences that doesn't come out of heaven. Again, no ill intent on anybody's part, but getting purged of that is an act of God. I need Jesus. And so that everybody's aware of this, the enemy is a counterfeiter. He may not can do what God can do, but he knows how to do what Hollywood does. He can act real good. And he can manipulate our thinking and make us think he can do what God can do. He counterfeits very close to you almost think it's God. And without God, we can do, but with him, wow, I need Jesus. And the Lord's prompting me to pause and let that sink in. Amen. Because he brings peace. He brings joy. He brings fulfillment. He brings hope. There's nothing that equals good apart from God. God is the only one that is good. And I haven't met anyone that don't want to experience good all the time. Which means if you're going to do it from the definition of God, I need Jesus. Amen. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Other than that, I'm pretty weak. Amen, I'm nothing. I need Jesus. And we're talking about operating as children of God, sons, graduated sons. Amen. Where he, when, you, when you step into sonship, it means Jesus finally has his house. He finally got it. And we finally learned how to pray correctly. So whatever your definition of prayer is, I would encourage you to re- Look at it and define it. Because when he teaches his 
boys that ask him, I don't know what you do, but whatever you're doing, it's attached with you going out in the morning time, early before we get up. Obviously, we don't know how to pray. Would you teach us to pray? And all of them come out of a nation that supposedly prayed. But we need you to teach us to pray, Lord. And he gives them not something you recite. He gives them, amen, a way of entering in to the holies of holies. So that when they come out of his presence, they become his mouthpiece. That hope, prayer, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your, it is you taking on your identity in him so that through you he can do what he does best. It's really a posture where we say, I need you, Lord. But it's not a singular prayer. It's a plural prayer. Our Father. <laughs> Give us. Forgive us. The Lord wants to move in this earth. He wants to start changing and shaking everything. And he wants you and I to do what he does. He doesn't give the devil any place. He don't spend his time talking about the devil. He spends his time talking about the kingdom and the good news. For you that don't know it, the enemy was defeated 2,000 years ago. That means he lost. The only access he has is what you and I give him because we won't posture ourselves in a humble contrite, broken, surrendered manner that says, I need you, Jesus. And when we're not like that before God, the enemy has access. Is anybody catching this? And you can have a bookcase full of Bible studies that you've given and have the enemy in play. Is that real, y'all? Is that real? It's like, oh, dude, man, I've done all this work, and I, I thought I graduated, but, man, I need Jesus. Uh, the humility, surrender, being contrite, broken, is a healthy thing for you and your relationship with God who is almighty. Amen? To be in his presence and to experience I'm going to follow what the Lord's prompting me right now. I like this. Whew. Don't want to leave that because it's him speaking. Amen. And the dynamics in this room is the Lord is way ahead of us, and he's pulling some things out of all. You've already been being used by heaven today. You've been given heavenly hugs, heavenly smiles, unctions from heaven, prophetic utterance, declarations have been going on in this room, this big room in this building. Heaven has come to earth to do what heaven does best. Amen. And, and it's, look, heaven come to earth to blow our mind today and show us how much he loves us. I need Jesus. And so uh, that reality being in place, Jesus uh, sees the people and he goes up on the side of a mountain and he begins to teach them. And he opens up his Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom. All right, now, 
to most of you here today, that's Christianese. Poor in spirit, <laughs> what are you talking about? Well, the, the interpretation of that in the original Greek is they who know their need of God, theirs is the kingdom. When I know I need God, the kingdom comes. He meets every heart that postures themselves before God. I need you. And he comes. He can't come unless the first beatitude is embraced. The rest of the beatitudes, follow it. Apart from this first beatitude, you cannot develop into the nature and character of Christ who is the beatitudes. Anybody want to be like Jesus? Did you know we get all kind of opportunities every day to be like Jesus? Do we fail the test sometimes? A bunch of times. But every day we're given opportunities to hear him say, follow me and I will make you. Well, I hadn't heard him say that. Yeah, you have. You didn't know it. But he was saying that because you wanted to slap somebody. And the moment you had this desire to knock somebody out, the Lord was saying, choose my attitude. Be merciful. An invitation to come follow him and be merciful. But I couldn't do it. That's right. Because the posture of poor in spirit wasn't present. Is that catching on yet? The humility of I know I need Jesus wasn't evident. And so everybody gets up with good intentions, don't they? Man, I'm going to be merciful to everybody today. I'm going to be gentle. I'm going to be patient. No, you're not. If you don't know you need Jesus, you're not going to do it. It's not possible. We can do nothing without him. He's knocking on the door. And there's one thing he does not turn away is a broken and a contrite spirit. What can help me evaluate my issue with I need Jesus? Number one, we want to, when we get this today, it's, it's so important. I want to make sure that we don't miss the details of this beautiful miracle that God's going to do in all of our life. Number one, do you know where I, you're going? Do I know where I'm going? Number two, are the boundaries I'm working in within working? Well, what are you talking about boundaries? Mm, good question, huh? And if you don't have boundaries set, you're probably way off course on where you want to arrive. And thirdly, am I sure I'm going the right direction? Anybody want a honeymoon in their marriage? Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's got their own definition of what a honeymoon means. I understand that. I've been through marriage courses. And guys are different than girls. And it's almost like we're from different planets. And God set it up that way so that we would do what? Need him. 
I need Jesus. And so I haven't met anyone that doesn't love to have a healthy relationship. They want, I like healthy relationships. I don't like bad relationships because I want to knock somebody out. And that's the enemy's job is to stir up trouble on every side. He's come to steal, kill, and destroy our faith in the fact that God is Lord in our life. And so he's working overtime that when God speaks to us, and he does, he or she that hath an ear, let them hear. That's indications that God's talking to everybody. But there's so much static going on. There's so many other voices talking that we'll miss his voice. But he's talking to us. And sometimes you just have to get postured so you can hear. And the way that we can posture ourselves to hear is to humble ourselves before his mighty hand. I don't know nothing. I know all of us are full of information, and we talk that information all the time. But most of the information that every one of us have is a lot of static because it's not producing anything. Now, keep giving. There's some things that's being produced but let me, let me encourage you today. If you think the blessings of the Lord is the American dream, you're highly confused. Pause for effect. If Jesus is telling us the truth, like he can't lie, Pastor. I know. But I say it like that because effect. If Jesus is telling us the truth, and he is, then it's important that you know every relationship you're involved in that you're connected to. It's important you know that relationship. If Jesus is telling the truth, you're supposed to know the tree by the fruit it bears. And the fruit that he's talking about is in his sermon. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are they. Blessed are. Oh, for you that hadn't read the Bible yet, let me, let me just give you in, in our modern-day understanding what the, the, what the blessings are, truly are, so that you don't get confused with thinking a big bank account and lots of cars and a big house and land and material possessions is blessing. Not from Jesus' lens. Does he have a problem with any of that? Nope. He just has a problem with you worshiping it. Right? But that's, ne- that's not the blessing. Your, your bank account and stuff that you own is not the blessings of the Lord. He's given you these things because he wants to get them through you. You are stewards of what he owns. If you still believe you own something, you're confused. What if you die today? Where does it go? Well, then who owns it? What was the purpose and the mission that, of our existence? And so here's, here's what Jesus said. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom. They know they need me. Two, blessed are those who mourn. What does that mean? Those who patiently wait on the Lord's. They get what they're looking for. Anyone that waits on God, they get everything. 
because they can see him now and they see what's going on. Thirdly, blessed are those who are gentle for they inherit the earth. Blessed are those that seek righteousness. They crave it. They get satisfied. Oh, that's a blessing, y'all. Blessed are those who are merciful. What happens? They get mercy. Anybody need some mercy here today? I'm telling you what, it's a blessing not to be beat up with shame. Why? Because if you experience the mercy, you're delivered of it. That's a blessing. Blessed are those whose hearts and thoughts are pure. Blessed are the pure in heart. They think right. Let me ask you a question. How's your thought life going right now on those things which are just, pure, honest, and a good report? How's your thought life going? And and, and the majority of people that go to church and want to be more a part of Jesus, they're battling their thought life. Is that true? You don't have to raise your hand. I know what's going on. Because the enemy is always attacking our thought life. And he does it religiously. Is that true? Anybody get depressed? Anybody deal with anxiety? Anybody get angry? Anybody get frustrated? Anybody like sitting at red lights? Amen? Thought life is under attack all the time. Blessed are they that are peacemakers. Joy flows out of them, and they are known as the children of God. Oh, blessed are they that are persecuted for my name's sake. And so, the blessings of the kingdom have nothing to do with materialism and achieving status and a name in this earth. There's none other name given among men whereby we must be saved. The name of Jesus is top tier. We're only building up one name. I don't have any time to build up the name Dwayne Lowe. I'm wasting his time when I need to be known and recognized. When all of his heartbeat is to reach his kids, he's so passionate about the harvest and people coming to him and experiencing their joy and their hope and life. He's not interested in building me a name. He's interested in me humbling myself before his mighty hand and elevating his name. So that when, I just got to tell y'all, when I'm around someone that's, promoting Jesus, I love hanging out with them. They're awesome. But when I'm around religious spirits that's always talking about what they've done for God, I, don't, I, don't, I can't wait to get out of there. I'm not interested here about what anybody's done for God. I'm interested in what God's doing. Is that helping somebody here today? Amen. And, and, and look, let me say it like this. Every one of daddy's kids are daddy's kids, and I'm honored to be in their presence. Every one of them. Okay, poor in spirit. I need Jesus. Better said, when I'm with Tiki, Jesus is number one, and she's number two, and I'm number three. That's a, that's a spirit that says, I need God. 
And so what, what would be one of the reasons I need God in this area? That's daddy's daughter. And you don't mishandle daddy's daughter. Is that true? Because daddy will love me in a special way. Necessarily the way I want to be loved in the moment. But he chasteneth them that he loves. He'll correct my attitude so that I can develop a poor in spirit, an idea, an understand, a revelation that I need God. And he'll use his daughter to help me get a revelation. Did y'all know he'd been doing that for 42 years with me and Tammy? When I finally got the revelation that she was daddy's daughter and I just happened to be married to her. And then he let me know, and the only reason you're married to her is because I invited you into the covenant with me and her. Oh, I need Jesus. And by the way, we're talking about operating from full. Our cup's running over. Presence. Stepping into true identity as Sons and daughters of our daddy, the king. Amen. And serving his passion. There's no other life to live, ladies and gentlemen. And I know I'm talking to an audience today that agrees I need Jesus. Because I'm going to keep making stupid decisions. I'm going to keep dropping the ball. I'm going to keep doing what I know I shouldn't be doing. And I don't know why I'm so stupid in doing it, but I, I can't help it. I got to do it. But if you ever humble yourself before his mighty hand and confess your need of him and brokenness, I mean, it's amazing how quick he comes to his house. And the response. So, are the boundaries that I'm working within working? What are you talking about? Let me give you just a couple boundaries that we need in relation to confirming I need Jesus. Amen. I'm laughing at me because, wow, I'm always monitoring the boundaries. <laughs> and it keeps me broken before daddy. Amen. So I get to talk about me. I'm not, you all know I don't preach at people here. I'm always talking about this guy. So if how I get out of the ditch helps you, amen, <laughs> obviously it will because you're here today. <laughs> Anybody ever had a disagreement or an argument before? Mm -hmm. Anybody ever thought that your opinion was right to the point that you would argue and debate to with your ob objective was to win? Because I know I'm right. Anybody ever done that before? Don't raise your hand. I'm raising mine, I'm okay. And so I've come to realize by God's grace and by his mercy, open my eyes, that whenever there's an argument or debate, that's there for a purpose, to reveal something about me. The Lord says, you don't need to win anything. I've already won, son. Just Come before me and humble yourself. And I will walk with you and finish what I started in you. But as long as you're fighting to win, 
in any relationship, you're missing the mark. See, argument and debate is there for us to identify inhibitors to a relationship, to identify the pushback on a relationship development. They're there for us to set parameters so that we don't forget we need Jesus. The reason I argue is because I'm in a posture that I don't need him, I got it. And if you agree with me, you'll have a better day. And I'm posturing myself to be Messiah when I do that. Like, if you will take my opinion and my preferences and live by them, you will be a better person. Has anybody had these kind of conversations before? You didn't say it like I just said it, but I just revealed the demon that's behind it. The lie that's facilitating the argument and the debate. And see, there's some legitimacy to arguments and debates because there's stupid going on and my stupid is not as bad as your stupid, so if you'll just agree with my stupid, you'll have less trouble. I'm going to show you in Scripture where none of us in this room know nothing. I'm going to show you. We don't know anything. And it's the mercy of God that we're all still sitting around and breathing. He really does love us. But my way of thinking, I think it's better than yours. And I'll fight for my way of thinking because from my lens, my way of thinking is good. Not necessarily God. I used to think it was God until he showed me, no, nah, it's not me. I'm, I'm better than that, bigger than that, higher than that, and wider than that. And I'm, matter of fact... That's bad stuff, but son, you need to be delivered. Amen. Arguments and debates are parameters that reveal we need God. And that when I argue with anyone that I'm in relationship, it's an opportunity for me in that relationship, both of us to pick our end of the rope up. They're picked up their end of the rope. And we've got this, and we begin to commit that this inhibitor is not going to stay in the relationship. We agree to disagree. I just don't believe that. Man, I don't believe what you think, but that's fine because we know now, no, we need Jesus in this one. And it, when we give him room, the moment we give him room in the fact that we don't know nothing, our eyes open. And all of a sudden what I was fighting for is like, you dummy, you. Because revelation comes. And all of a sudden, I'm sorry, Lord, I was a dummy. But he's not looking for sorry. He's looking for repentance. Amen? Anybody been there, done that argument stuff? If you're arguing and fussing about something in any relationship, start getting connected with one another and start setting the boundaries. It's okay that you don't see eye to eye as long as Jesus is first. Is that okay? Does anybody have to see it my way? I used to think that. But he's been setting me free. You know what comes with that peace? I can't fix nobody. I can't make anybody look like Jesus, walk like Jesus, talk like Jesus. Doing this police stuff just don't work. But I still think I'm pretty good police. Which confirms I need to grow. I need Jesus. All right. Second thing. Another boundary that we could all be wise in deciding to, to utilize is trust. You ever thought 
that in your relationship, the, the person in your relationship should trust you? You ever thought that before? Did you ever ask them to trust you? I'm talking about the guy in the mirror, not y'all. You dummy, you. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, son, I don't even trust you. What do y'all think that did to me when I heard that? You're asking them to trust you? I don't trust you. Okay. What's the problem here? Without me, you can do nothing, son. Until you let me have my house, you're going to mess it all up. And I keep putting up with all your issues and your stuff because you think you're a good guy. I got you. I got you. He said, now, if you'll ask them to trust me with you, all of a sudden the enemy don't have a place to play. Oh, this is, this is really good stuff today, y'all. We, we, we're catching on to something. If I'll ask Tiki to trust Daddy with her brother, all of a sudden the enemy can't pick on my flaws and failures no more. But if I ask Tiki to trust me, the enemy has access now to go, jump on every failure that I've ever been involved in and every flaw. And that's all. He has access. Is anybody catching this? And so since I trust God with his daughter in my life, he can talk to me about stuff about her I've never seen before. As long as she's my wife, I miss it. But when she's his daughter, he tells me things about her, and I see her on a new light. What a wonderful boundary. And all of a sudden, the potential of me being effective as a husband starts elevating because I'm in covenant with God and her. This covenant didn't get apart from him. He's number one. She's number two. And I'm number three. Now I can serve. And he can talk to me. Amen. So where are we going? Are the boundaries that we have in play working for us? And we can do a double check. Well, are we moving forward? Uh -uh. Or yes. And the only way we move forward is I need God. I need Jesus. Amen? Now, another one is called forgiveness. Another boundary. Anybody like turning your cheek 490 times in one day? Can you do it? With Jesus, I can. Without Jesus, ain't happening. There's a dynamic nature here that comes from the country. And stupid can happen at any moment without God. But with God, all things are possible. Amen. You can actually turn the cheek 490 times in one day with him. So forgiveness is powerful. Do you know Daniel? When they took, he was a good guy based on what I've read about him. When they took him and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the captivity, uh, they made eunuchs out of them. 
Think about that for a minute. And so he's in captivity. He's been made a eunuch out of, and he begins to pray a prayer of repentance. Go read it for yourself in Daniel 9. And he begins to repent himself and for Israel. We rejected you. We didn't honor you. We did not fear you. I mean, he's repenting for himself and for Israel. That's when you pray, ladies and gentlemen. You don't just pray for you. You pray for everybody involved. That's a real prayer. While he's praying, get this, an order came from heaven to Gabriel. While he's repenting for himself and for Israel. And because of repentance, he set the boundaries. The boundaries already set. I why do we repent? I need Jesus. I repent because I need Jesus. I want something to happen. I can't do this, Lord. I can't go here. I can't get this done. This is not happening. And all this, the things are just messed up. I need you, Lord. So we repent for trying to play God and try to be the one that makes it happen and build a name for ourselves. And the list goes on with things we get sucked into by way of a religious lie. And Gabriel gets there to him. <laughs> When the prayer's complete, there's Abel touched his almost shoulder. Anybody need heaven to move right now? Anybody that needs things to move forward? Something about a broken and a contrite, poor in spirit attitude that says, I need you, that moves heaven. Jesus wants to give some orders today, but he's waiting on us to, to come before him correctly. Just humble ourselves. We don't have him figured out, do we? And so the angel comes to him and says to Daniel, I'm here because I'm going to equip you and make you powerful. Now keep in mind, Daniel is in a posture of brokenness. He is totally contrite and surrendered. And the Lord said, I can use that. I can equip that. Get your religious stuff off. And he did. I'm going to use you mightily now. Jesus in John 20, I know this is kind of like Loki, but the dynamics is like, yes. Whew. Jesus is talking to his disciples in John 20. And he blows on them and says, receive ye the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. And he's prophetically speaking something. He blows on them. And right after he does that, then he says this. Whom sins you remit, they're remitted. And whose sins you retain, they're retained. What's he saying? You're powerful. This is how powerful I am. I can pray for you and I can pray for me and you on behalf of God's will in your life and miracles will begin to happen. Or I can get angry at you. You, didn't, you need to apologize to me. I deserve an apology. Anybody ever been? You didn't say it like that. And, but inside it's saying, it's screaming, they should give me an apology. And what Jesus is saying, 
whom sins you retain, they're retained. You're so powerful, you can put people in jail. But guess where you go? To jail too. Until you pay the debt. What's the debt? Mercy, repentance, forgiveness. So likewise shall your father do also to you if you forgive not your brother. Right? We're talking about setting boundaries. Need to know where we're going, ladies and gentlemen. But we also need to know if the boundaries that we're working within are actually working. And you can do a double check. Well, let's talk about your progress. You see? Forgiveness is powerful. I can't forgive unless Jesus is in the mix. I can give you, you know, the idea with a mask that I've forgiven you. But if, if you've hurt my feelings without Jesus being there, my feelings are still hurt. But if Jesus is there, he supersedes my feelings and my emotions. And my emotions, when they're unhealthy, when he comes in the mix, all of a sudden they get healthy. Because... What he gives me in return for a, an emotional breakdown is joy and peace. Which one are you going to go for? Ah. And so you say, somebody else slap me. Slap me again. Slap me again. And it's like you, you're getting all this from heaven because you posture yourself in a broken and a contrite. And it's like every time persecution comes and they speak evil against you, it's like bring it on some because you're blessed. Blessed are they, blessed are they, blessed are they. So, from Jesus' lens, we should know the tree by the fruit it bears. And we're going to be in a relationship. And he says this bluntly, y'all. He says, beware of false prophets that come to you in sheep's clothes, anywhere that are ravening wolves. You know them by their fruit. Whew, what fruit is he talking about? Beatitudes. He opened up his sermon and reveals the fruit. And he says, you know the tree by the fruit. Now, if we know the counterfeiter can't do what God does, but he always sets himself up to make you believe he can. And he builds his kingdom off of kingdom principles, the kingdom of darkness. Isn't that interesting how the enemy, he does it by putting the mask on. He's an actor. He's a manipulator and a controller. You know the tree by the fruit it bears. He cannot produce beatitudes, though. He can't do it. Can't do it. And the way in through the straight gate and the narrow path is when you choose to hear the voice of God say, come follow me, when you don't want to. Well, first of all, let me go take care of this, Lord, and I'll be right back. I'm going to knock them out first. No. It's the moment you feel like knocking someone else, so you go with him on a broken spirit. Mercy, gentleness, patience. Is anybody catching this? The moment you choose the beatitude, you go through the gate. Because you're following him. He is the Beatitudes. And did, I know everybody in this room knows that we're being checked on that every day. We're being challenged with Beatitudes every day. 
And that's the evidence that you're following him. But you can't do it unless you first, that's why I said what I said. Son, why are you asking Tiki to trust you when I can't trust you? What is it that he can't trust? Without him, we can do nothing, right? So he tells them in Acts chapter 2 or 1, he says, uh, look, don't go tell anybody about me until you get endowed with power because you won't tell them right. He said, but as soon as you get endowed and you make room for me because you need me, And you receive my promise, spirit and fire. Now go be my witnesses. How many have been trying to be a witness for Jesus and you ain't even got the power to do it? But you know you want to be associated. Anybody want to be associated with Jesus? But I don't know what the problem is. I got heartburn all the time. We need Jesus. And when we need Jesus, what does Jesus do to everyone that truly needs him. He baptizes them with spirit and with fire. So the evidence is the fact that maybe I need him, but I haven't been real serious about it. And when you get broken before God and humble before him and contrite, not just you're not just committed and submitted to your religious idea of God. You're surrendered to God. There's a lot of submitted and competed people that's going to church. I didn't say that Jesus did, okay? Because he says straight is the gate and there's the way. Only a few find that. But there's this broad gate that I've been through. Y'all, I went through the wide gate and I've walked the broad way too. And mercy got me off of it. Anybody been there? And there was a time that I wanted people to know I believed in Jesus. And I was telling them and Jesus, I do this in your name, and I do that in your name, and I do this in your name. But the people on the straight grade, they ain't talking that talk. It's only the people on the Broadway that's talking about what I do for Jesus. And Jesus says, no, you ain't let me be a part of you yet. You're still trying to build a name for yourself, and you're trying to let me know how good you are. But when you let me in, you ain't got to talk that language no more. It just naturally follows you. That was important for me, ladies and gentlemen. These signs do follow them that believe. In my name, they will cast out devils. They will speak with new tongues. They will pray for the sick, and they'll recover. Amen. They will. It's just wonderful things happen to them that believe. And you don't have to tell everybody that I do this in Jesus' name. It just happens because you're following him in his attitude. Jesus was always saying, don't go tell anybody. Don't go tell anybody. He would do wonderful things, and he never toot his horn. Isn't that true? When I need you to recognize I'm a good guy, it's because I need Jesus. All right. The enemy, and I'm going to bring it to a close here in the next few moments. You know the tree by the fruit it bears. you got to know it. We're talking about which direction are you going? Have you set the parameters, and are they working? Because are we moving forward? Job, God said of Job, he said it this way. 
in the book of Job, he said to Satan, he said, Satan, have you considered Job, the finest, this is in the NLT, the finest man on earth who fears me and he ain't hanging around nothing that's evil. That's what it said in the NLT. It was awesome. Like, whoa. And the enemy says, the enemy of Job, Satan says to God, said, if, you, if you'll take that hedge down and let me do my thing, I get him to reject you. Now, the enemy knows he's good at what he does. He's he really good. And the Lord said, okay, let's do this. Let me ask you all a question. You all need Jesus? Is it okay if Jesus brings his hedge down? If he's with you, it's okay. Right? Okay, I'm just checking. So, the enemy comes in like a flood. He said, the only thing you don't do, you don't take it alive. The dude went all the way almost to taking it alive. He's barely hanging on. Takes everything. Now, get this in mind. Job is the wealthiest man in the East. He got it all. But you don't hear him talk about it. Mm -mm. The, whoever wrote that book made reference to it, but he ain't focused on that. He's focused on his relationship this way. And so everything gets taken. And Job starts talking because he's going through it. And he's human just like me and you. And the storm's going on. And he's communicating. His friends come and find out, dude, you dropped the ball big time. What in the world are you doing? Uh, man, you can't be in this kind of condition unless you've done something stupid. And so I got to checking out the, all the conversations. A lot of awesome things were said. But when Job finally gets through his storm, God comes to him and said, Job, we're going to have a conversation. He said, I'm going to ask you a few questions, and you're going to answer me. It's like, you ain't got a choice. You're going to answer me. And he says to Job, where was you? When I spun the stars into existence, you're going to answer me. When the sons of God shouted for joy, where were you, Job? And he goes through a list of things that I, God, have done. Where were you when I did that? You weren't even around. You don't know nothing. Basically what God was saying, you don't have any knowledge, Job. You're, you're, you're basically dumb. And God just got through saying, the finest man fears God, ain't going to hang around anything evil. Pretty strong, isn't it? And then the next time, Job just is letting it all out, he, and, and it's making a better man out of him. And when God gets through, he says, now answer me. And Job's answer was, you know. Good answer, Job. <laughs> Good answer. You got some friends that's in trouble right now, and they ain't going to make it if you don't pray for them. But because your answer is on that level and you need me, I can use that. Now, you're going to go pray for your friends, and they're going to be set free because you can remit the sin. That's how pop. You and I in a contrite posture, you and I in a broken state, where we're submitted and surrendered 
all of heaven can come to that platform and manifest. Whose identity are, it's not Dwayne Lowe at that point. When I'm there, it's Christ. And he's now able to do what only he can do, but he's waiting on a vessel. He's waiting on our availability. He's knocking at the door, but the first thing that's got to happen for that door to open is I need him. If you don't need him, you're not opening that door. If you don't open that door, you can go to church all you want to. You can put a religious mask on and try to qualify yourself as a good person based on stuff you do. But that's a dangerous place to be without God. I need Jesus. Lot, this is what God said about Lot. And the apostle wrote it. Lot was a righteous man. He was a righteous man. And his righteous soul was vexed in Sodom with all the woke stuff going on. He was a righteous man. Why wasn't God bargaining with Lot? Why is he bargaining with Abraham? His soul was vexed. He was beat up. Abraham wasn't enamored by the well-watered plains of Sodom. Lot chose the well-watered plains of Sodom. Wasn't attractive to Abraham. He was walking with God. Well, when walking with God is more attractive to us than the world and the possessions and materialism and trying to own something. When we get delivered of that being blessing and we finally let the blesser come, we find our identity in him now. And if you ever find your identity in him through his spirit and fire, like Gabriel, huh? I mean, I'm going to equip you now, Daniel. You've been doing some wonderful stuff because your posture is right. Amen. So God's bargaining with Abraham over Sodom because his spirit was right. And everything, everything Abraham said, God said, okay, I'll do that. Well, what if this, Lord? What if only 20? Well, okay, I'll do it for 20. Oh, well, hold time out. What if just 10? Well, I'll do it for 10. Abraham had the authority by way of attitude. And if he says, what if it's just one? I believe that would have moved heaven. But Abraham, just like you and I, we're inspired by impressions. We're letting him have our mouth. We're letting him have that most unruly member so that he can say it was really God speaking through Abraham. And Abraham was uttering in his presence things that God wanted to say. Should I hide this thing that I'm about to do from Abraham and the Lord? And so God said, and God told him. God wants to talk to y'all about the community that we're in. But more important, let's talk about the relationships you're already in. And there's some things going on in relationships right now that are spooky, bad. 
spooky bad. And the Lord says, I can handle that if you just posture yourself before me and give me an indication you need me and repent. We're talking about fool, y'all. We're talking about presence. We're talking about identity as sons of God so that we can serve our Father's passion. What's the Lord telling you right now as you stand? I'm going to pray for us. And uh, by the way, he's already been working on my attitude today. And it's not me praying, it's daddy praying for all his kids. He loves y'all. And he works with all of our issues because they're tools in his hand to finish what he started. Whatever circumstance you may be in right now, remember that he's greater than that. He's greater than whatever pain you're dealing with right now in your spirit. He's bigger than that. Does anybody agree with this? And so with our hearts postured correctly, know this, heaven is giving orders out. And God is just as real as you'll let him be. He's just as big as you will allow him to be in your situation. But today, it's time to let him help you set the boundaries to protect your heart so that you need him all the time. Father, I thank you for this word today. I thank you for talking to me and waking me up and getting my attention and mercifully having me focus on what you're so in love with and it's your people. It's your harvest. Every soul that's alive and breathing right now, you're after them. I repent for all of us that we've missed the mark so many times. And we failed you in so many ways. I thank you for the opportunity to give us an audience and hear us. As we're honest before you, Lord, I need you. We need you, Jesus. And right here in our need is where we pause to let you come in. Let the wind blow like it did at Pentecost. Let the fire fall like it did in every heart. Let your presence come as a rushing mighty wind, Lord. Change us. Be the daddy that you want to be for your kids. We need you, daddy. We need you, Father. We need you, Jesus. If you're hungry for him right now, as you come forward, every step will be like the steps those lepers made when they walked into the enemy's camp. God has everything you need waiting on you. God will turn up the speakers in heaven. Hell has got to go. Pain's got to go. Frustration's got to leave. Depression can't stay. Every demon that's been lying to you is losing its grip right now. There's hope in your heart. Let that hope have his place. 
Come on, there's healing in this room. The Lord don't want you to leave until He lets, until you allow Him to heal your body, to clear your heart and set you free emotionally. Jesus, do what you do. Lord, we're hoping right now to you, Lord. I want to go to a deeper place. I want to go to a higher level. Ha, Lord, open up the heavens for me right now. I need you, Jesus.